Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Sean Kitzman. He is a massage therapist based out of Bloomington, Minnesota. And this episode is just chock full of incredibly useful information. And we're just going to get right into it. Without further ado, Sean Kitzman. Started and sure. um, kind of how you got to where you're at now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, let's see. Long story. Um, well, long short story. So uh, as a kid, um, I have an uncle that lives in Connecticut, and he's a pretty eccentric dude. Um, he was an engineer. He worked for General Dynamics. And um, he worked on uh, the nuclear subs and helped them develop a lot of things for the subs, uh, lasers to cut the barnacles off the side of the subs. And he would come to Michigan, because I'm originally from Michigan, um, during the summer. And um, when I was about, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, he uh, started talking to us about yoga and tai chi and, and rolfing, actually, was the first kind of introduction I, I had to the idea of body work and massage because he was playing handball and mountain biking and, and hiking and he was he's still really active today and so he told me about how rolfing helped out his you know all of the stuff that he was doing so I would listen to him we would do all this Chinese or we would do all this like this Tai Chi tapotment stuff pounding on my head I'm thinking what in the hell are we doing um, you know at 10 <laughs> Yeah. And so, um, and that also started, you know, I mean, I'm a kid of the 80s, so, you know, uh, that started my interest and fascination with martial arts as well. And so, um, my dad hurt his back around that time as well, um, probably not looking back now what I would probably assess it as, he probably had a, uh, a psoas spasm, and yeah. um, so... But he would go, he would, you know, he tried PT and he went to the chiropractor and what we found is that, uh, you know, massage with Dixie cups filled with water that we put in the freezer with ice, um, oh, okay. you know, helps him out a ton. And then, you know, I would use a rolling pin on him and my dad's a very physically affectionate person. So it, when we were kids, when I was really young, um, Sunday mornings was go jump on dad to wake him up. And we would wrestle for a bit, and then when we would get crazy, because my brother and I were, you know, kids, we were crazy, right. um, he would give us, you know, it would, he'd say, okay, done, now massage. And he'd, you know, massage her back to kind of calm the sound some. And so that was, you know, that was a really normal thing in my house for my dad, was this very physical, as a matter of fact, if, if my dad walked into a place where everybody was today, I would give him a hug and a kiss, you know I mean? Like, that's just yeah. the way my family is. Right. And so... um so we found that with his uh with his back issues that you know um 
a little bit of ice massage and a little bit of work on it and, you know, would, would you know, and I'm talking like, you know, rudimentary, very crappy massage, you know, because I'm like right. 14 probably. Right. So, so then um, I, after I got out of school, I, uh, high school, I graduated from high school in 1984. Um, I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I mean, you know, like I knew I didn't want to go back to school because I was awful at school. When I say I graduated from high school, I got my GED. I went all yeah. the way through school. I was a credit and a half short. And they were like, oh, you can go to summer school. I'm like, mm, no, I'll just take my GD. Right. So um, so I went to uh, – and, and now this is in Michigan. So the town that I was looking to, to try and figure out how to break into the industry was, like, probably around 5,000 people. Yeah. So it was, you know, a very western suburb of Detroit. And um, there was not franchises. Uh, there was not, you know, a massage practice on every corner. There was three in town. And yeah. so I happened to, like, go into a massage practice and sit and wait, oh, this poor lady, and sit and wait until this lady got done with her session. And she walked out and she goes, I'm sorry, are you, are you expecting for me to see you? And I was like, no. And I explained to her my name, you know, like, I don't know how to get into the industry. How do I do it? I said, can I, can I get a job here doing something? I don't care if I sweep floors. I was working yeah. grocery retail at the time, and I hated it. Right. And so um, she said, no, but, you know, there's, she goes, I, I thought about apprenticing, you know, there's a couple of massage schools in the area, and she told me the name of the massage schools. And um, uh, so I was like, ah, well, I kind of put it on the back burner. So in 1997, I was in a martial arts seminar, and um, I was seeing Dan and Asano. Dan and Asano is Bruce Lee's best friend. Uh, yeah. It was a Paul Bear in his funeral. And um, during the seminar, he's first-generation Filipino-American. Drew Dan's 82 now. And so um, he, he trained with a lot of very famous Filipino masters, Filipino martial arts masters. And there's a big healing tradition within the Filipino martial arts community, especially with the older, you know, these older, this older generation. And so he said, you know, if you guys really want to be good at martial arts, you guys should really think about, you know, studying the healing arts as well. And I had already looked into schools, and I was like, gosh, you know, this makes a lot of sense, because I was, you know, just obsessed with martial arts. Right. And so, um, he's, so he said that. That was May of 97. And I thought, you know, I was working grocery retail, and I, I, was, I was happy doing what I was doing. Um, I wanted to open up a martial arts school. I said, you know, if I ever get crabby, I think I, I, think I want to go to massage school. And so that was May of 97. By September of 97, I enrolled in massage school. So in, in within, you know, like, you know, four months, I got crabby, I guess. And so um, I, I went through massage school from 97 to 98, got out. It was a 1,000-hour program. Um, and, again, you know, like, great, I'm out of school. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get into practice. Right. So I, bu I bummed around. And as a 24-year-old guy, well, actually, as a 22-year-old guy at that point in time, you know, in a very conservative community, it wasn't like, you know, people were itching for me to start working on them either. You know, right. I mean, in the beginning, when I when I first started telling people that I was going to massage school, they either thought it was really creepy, or um, they thought it was kind of cool, but you know, they were like, I don't know. Right. And so, um, so I I mowed lawns for three seasons, and you know, tried to just make ends meet outside of that. And then um, my last season of mowing lawns, it was August of 2000. I'm sorry, it was yeah, it was August of 2000. Um, I it was a super hot day. We had been digging holes. I hated it. I was like, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. And so I looked at a newspaper, because that's how old I am. I looked at a newspaper, and there was a, a you know, a, a help wanted listing for a chiropractor. 
So I called the office. The chiropractor didn't have a full afternoon, so he had me come in. I worked on him, and he hired me on the spot. Yeah. I worked. I worked on. I worked for him for about nine months. Um, towards the end of the time that I was working with him, we, I, it just we just kind of got to philosophical business differences. He wanted to put ninety patients through the door a day, um, just him, nobody else. Right. Um, and I and and I was I was my I was getting tremendously better because I was working about thirty six hours a week. Right. You know. Um, so, so that was August of, of 2000. In November of, of uh, 2000, I, I walked into a, a, uh, a massage practice in, in, the, in the town that I was working at. One of the patients that I knew from the gym that I was going to, um, one of the patients I knew, uh, he said, you know, you should really go check out this place over at uh, Brighton Athletic Club. It was the racket club uh, in town. He said, you know, there's a, I know the lady who co-owns the practice, there's this massage practice there, and she says they're doing really well. Um, you might want to go over there and talk to them. So he told me this three times, and I was like, "Well, the third time, this must be, you know, this must be kind of telling me something here." Right. So I I went over and and again waited. Poor Janet, the lady that owned the the practice at the time, she did the same thing the last lady did. She goes, "I'm sorry, I I I'm expecting some." I was like, "No, I I explained my, you know, I gave her my name." Um, I said, you know, are you guys hiring? She goes, well, I don't know. You know, you can do an interview massage. And I said, okay. So I did an interview massage, and she got done. She goes, wow, that was fantastic. Uh, I'd like you for you to meet my my partner, and you know, you know, maybe talk to her. So um, I met her partner, and uh, I worked on her, and they hired me. And um, I was actually going to go to Utah College of Massage Therapy that that winter because um, I, they had a, a structural integration program like a like a, a kind of rolfing but not have to go through the Rolf Institute. Yeah. So and it was like a it was like a I think it was like a fifteen or sixteenth month sixteen month program. Um and I I was really interested in going there. because uh, their their teacher their teachers um were really good. And so um but but because uh, my real interest was working with athletes. But right. the so I, I I started working at this place and come to find out the lady that hired me, Carol, um she was privately contacted by five or six Detroit Lions uh, offensive and defensive linemen. And I was like, oh, well, shit, she works with professional athletes. Why would I go to Utah? Right. So, um, so I worked with Carol for three years. Um, there was a real short period of time when um, uh, after, it, after Wayne Fonz left, uh, which was the Lions head coach at the time, uh, Gary Muller came in. Gary Muller was the was the ex head coach of, or he was the ex, uh, yeah, head coach of the University of Michigan football program. He came in as an interim head coach, and uh, Carol had met Gary and had met all of his co- all of his staff, and they got along really well. And there was this real brief period of time where we thought that there was a good chance that they might actually hire us on as staff, and um, that didn't happen because. Uh, <laughs> She, because they, as soon as the season ended, they fired Muller and brought in Bobby Ross, and you know everything changed. Yeah. So, but I worked for, with her for three years, and um, my uh, my girlfriend at the time, um, we started dating in 2001. Uh, she started working at the office, doing, just doing reception. She eventually wound up becoming a massage therapist. Um, we opened up our own practice in 2003. We were together from 2003 to 2008. Um, and I opened up, we divorced, um, and then I opened up my own practice in 2008. Um, and, you know, uh, then we moved to Minneapolis in 2016, and, you know, I guess that's where we're at. 
Right on. Uh, when did you pick up uh, neurokinetic therapy then? So I hosted David Weinstock in 2012. I think I was like his okay. fifth person that ever hosted NKT outside of California. Um, that's a funny enough story because I predate per Perry and Kathy a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark Chang, I think it was Mark Chang, shared a post that David had put up because um, I was following Mark Chang's work and then I was following Levinson's work a little bit. Yeah. And somehow I saw it. And David had posted about scoliosis. And my longest standing client in Michigan of, of 15 or almost 16 years, he had scoliosis when he, well, he had scoliosis, but, but it was really, really symptomatic when he first came to see me uh, way back in 2000. He was my very first, uh, like, regular client that I had. And so we worked through a bunch of his stuff. And, and seriously, if you, if you were to palpate down his spine, I don't know what it's like now, but before I left, um, you'd be like, seriously, this was, you're, you're telling me about the same guy? Yeah. So, the, so David had posted something about scoliosis, and he was talking about relationships between the psoas and the QL, and I was like, wow, that's really super interesting. I didn't understand how he was getting them. And so right. I, I, I reached out to him, or I actually commented in the thread, you know, this is early, you know, this is 2012, so you can still, you know, really, really interact with people on Facebook like this. I right. commented in the thread, and I was like, hey, you know, I'm really interested in your work. You know, this is super cool stuff, you know. And so he Facebook messaged me. You know, um, I'm going to be in New York, and you know, at the end of January, or at the end, of, at the end of December, early January, and it was like November, and he was like, uh, you know, if you want to come, let me know. And I was like, ah, well, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, a, a trip to New York, and and then whatever the cost of the seminar was, I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't swing that with Christmas and you know all that stuff. Yeah. So then um, that spring of the spring of 2012. Um, I had a uh, massage therapist that I had mentored, and she was a friend of mine. We did some collaboration in Michigan, and I was trying to get her into looking outside of just releasing tissue and start to think bigger picture. And um, I, she had watched Liebenson's video, and I said, okay, great. Now she had commented, finally. It was like, you know, it was sitting on her page for like two weeks. And so she, she goes, hey, thanks, I watched this. And I said, okay, well, great. Now watch David Weinstein follow David Weinstock. And David must have been on the computer because he popped up in the chat, you know, like, oh, hey, thanks for Sean for introducing Ashley to my work. And Ashley put in the comment, I wonder if we can get him to Michigan. And he said, yeah, minimum of 20 to 25 people. And so she, that was on a Saturday. Monday she called him and, uh, you know, uh, she, we, we set up and we hosted him in, at the end of September. That's awesome. So, yeah. yeah, that was, so we both have kind of similar stories. My dad has been a massage therapist for 20 years. You guys actually went to massage school around the same time sure. in uh, 97. And then I graduated high school um, in 2000 and went to the same school he did, which was uh, Mueller College of Holistic Studies in San Diego. Sure. And, you know, just me being 18 years old, I was an idiot. So, yeah. I didn't, you know, me being just fresh out of high school, I couldn't run my own business. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of went down the path of whatever until uh, three years ago when I um, was failing prereqs to get to the beginning stages of going to PT school. And, sure. you know, uh, especially like physics, I was, you know, didn't pass my physics class by a couple of points and was having stress-induced heart palpitations. And luckily my uh, my now wife, then girlfriend, is a nurse, and she's like, you're not going to die. And I'm like, I'm totally dying. Sure. And so – 
then um, I only needed, I realized that I only needed a couple hundred more hours to be licensed in Arizona and went to a massage school here. And, uh-huh. you know, the rest is history. But then, you know, cruising around um, the Internet trying to find continuing education to do, ran across Perry doing muscle testing. Sure. Um, and then started following neurokinetic therapy on YouTube and then eventually took the course. And that was just a huge game changer for me, just like especially – you know, being a, uh, a sports therapist, like looking at, the, you know, you just like with the remedial massage education, you're just like, what have I been doing this whole time? Yeah. Like, working on the wrong stuff. And, you know, that's just really big eye opener. So, yeah, when, you know, when I when I took NKT, it was a three day course. And I remember Friday night because <laughs> he taught Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so he taught like the first, the first, like, uh, depending on who teaches it, like, Marissa gets it done in, like, you know, an hour and 15. But the first yeah. p- part of, of day one of level one was actually done Friday night in two hours, where oh, David man. kind of presented um, just the theory and motor control. And I remember sitting there looking, going, like, I can't believe I didn't kill somebody by now. Yeah. You know, like, right. I'm like, and and then I'm thinking back on, on all of the, the, the reasons why the people that I worked on didn't work. You know? Right. I was like, oh, man, I can't believe this. Right. So, and so, yeah. you know, and it's funny because, um, you know, you as a as a therapist, you start to see kind of patterns in people. Sure, and yeah. And then they come in and you're like, this is exactly what's going on. And then you do the yeah. test and you're like, I was wrong that whole time. You oh, know yeah. I and mean? so, like, then, yeah. you know, so that's my sister has one of my phrases that I say all the time, which is that's what these tests are for, you know, to right. figure out exactly what's going on because you never really know. And so, yeah. you know, and then, um, so then this is kind of a really good segue into like the next part of the conversation and the reason why I wanted to have you on here. So, you know, everybody is, I'm a star therapist starting out, you know, um, a lot of them kind of go the route that you went, um, fewer of them kind of go the route that I did, which is just starting independent from the word sure. go. Yeah. Um, luckily, you know, like I said, my wife is a nurse, so she was able to kind of right. support me in that those beginning times while I was getting it together and getting my practice all set up. Sure. Um, so, and I believe that, you know, being independent is kind of the way to go. Um, oh, yeah. You know, there's, um, there's granted you get the, you're more financially stable if you join like a massage parlor, but if you're independent, then you can go any way you want, use any kind yeah. of uh, direction that you want with any kind of education that you want and, you know, use it however you want to use it without any kind of stipulations put on you. Um, you know, so um, I want to first kind of get into what your practice looks like a little bit because we're kind of uh, in the same path. You know, you do sure. the neurokinetic therapy stuff and um, you got me turned on to, uh, Gary Ward stuff. I just finished sure. his book at your recommendation. So yeah. uh, let's talk about like what a typical client uh, looks like in your uh, practice. Well, so um, I, when I first started working with athletes, uh, it was 2008, um, but actually 2007. And I was just doing, you know, uh, I was still doing massage, but I had this kid come in, this high school athlete. Uh, he was a freshman in high school and he played elite level youth soccer. And I couldn't see taking this kid, putting him under sheets, and working on him when I needed to get him off the table to see if the work that I was doing was actually doing anything. 
Right. And so, so before, even before I shook NKT, um, you know, a portion of my practice was working on elite level youth athletes. I traveled with a nationally competitive boys soccer team for three seasons from 08 to 2010. Um, and I, I was, I, I worked, I worked as essentially as a trainer for them. Um, I was, I was parent paid. I wasn't club paid. So that means that every time I went to a tournament, there was no guarantee I was coming back the next year or the next tournament. You know, I, I, I earned my stripes essentially, you know, there. And that really, really, really got me to, uh, I work very fast. And I don't work so fast that I really screw up the nervous system any longer I used to. When I was, you know, when I first started out, I used to just do way too much stuff. Right. And so, um, and also that, an experience that predates that actually, um, so when I was early starting in my practice and when I was, when I was, cause I always treated, when I worked, when I worked for three years, when I was, when I, you know, when I, when I worked for the uh, practice I worked for, I always treated my, the, my, my practice, that practice as my practice. Like right. I, if I didn't have clients on the table, I didn't eat. So, right. you know, it kind of behooved me to put, you know, people on the table. So I came up with this idea of going out to, uh, the, the local farmer's market on Saturdays from eight to one. And we would go out from, from early, uh, from middle of May, um, uh, or, or early May, depending on how warm it was, till the middle of September. And, um, and I would go out and do dollar a minute chair massages from eight to one on Saturdays and just about every Saturday I possibly could. Um, and so that got me to really understand how to make connection with someone and talk to them in a way that got them interested in me working on them. And so, so, um, that, all of that, that, you know, I don't know, six or seven years that I did that. That really helped me to get my assessment game on really quickly. Um, and then understand how to provide, you know, to sell the value proposition of my work to people. So, um, so when I started working with the, with the youth athletes, it was kind of easy for me to just kind of jump right in and get stuff done because, you know, I, I, and I couldn't see having a kid come in for an hour. Like it just didn't make sense to me. And, and parents, and, and recognize too, when I say this is 2007, that's in the midst of Michigan's awful, 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 one of the worst economic climates in the last hundred years, right? right. I mean, the, the, some of the country felt the recession. Michigan, like, it was, we had double-digit unemployment from, like, 2008 or 2009 all the way to 2012, right. you know? So, so I really had to be able to provide these parents now with value propositions there, I had to provide a reason to why they wanted to bring their kids back in repeatedly. Right. So, um, so now today, to get back to your question, because I, th I think it's a really important, like, like to kind of put some backstory on that as to how I got to here. And then when I took NKT, that's all, that I was like, oh, crap, well, this makes it easier. Now I can do this with adults because I can sell half-hour sessions, no problem, when I can, you know, test, test out three to four patterns or two to three patterns and run. And so right. – um, so today in, in Minneapolis, I work with mostly triathletes, um, and I, I collaborate with a, a, one of the best bicycle fitters in the Midwest and actually in the country. Um, Minneapolis has a huge bicycle community here. Um, and so what, what I, do, um, I do a lot of anatomy and motion. Um, I do, then I, I will back that up with some NKT um, when needed. And then um, I've been getting a lot of uh, nerve 
and disk issues. So um, I'm kind of borrowing some stuff from Chetel Larson um, and from Norway. Uh, he's an NKTer. He's got great stuff. Um, and um, doing, starting to learn to do a little bit more provocative testing um, and understanding how to deal with the nerves, with, with actually dealing with nerve pain. Um, and it's not, and it's not, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, doing myofascial release to, to release the entrapment itself. And so, um, that's a combination of what happens for the, the first time a client comes in to see me, they're in the office for an hour and a half. And, um, we, that includes, uh, paperwork, assessment consults. That usually takes anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes. Um, and in that time, what I'm doing with them is I'm, I'm really talking, I'm, I'm listening to their story. I'm trying to make some basic deductions of places that we can, of a portal of entry, a place to jump into with their symptoms and dysfunction that we can get kind of the most bang for their buck. And I do a lot of education, um, you know, probably of the first 30 to 45 minutes of that session um, is me with my phone with, you know, uh, my, my anatomy app open or a couple anatomy app, apps open and just looking and showing them, okay, so this is what I think this is. This is why I think that you're having it. This is what I think we can do with it. And so, so that education piece, that value proposition of, of, of treating them like humans and not as clients or patients that I'm smarter than, because actually they're smarter than I am because they right. live in their body every day. Right. And so, um, so then from there, that takes about somewhere between 30 to 45 minutes. And the last 45 minutes to an hour of the, of the initial session is really trying to narrow down a, a really concrete direction that we can go in that provides them with a, a, an immense amount of value, um, hopefully reduces their symptoms by a ton. I give them homework at the end of the session based on stuff that we find. I'm very outcomes-based in, in my practice. Um, you know, so, so the, the whole direction of my practice is done by my client. Um, you know, hey, how does that feel to you? Do you notice the difference? Yes or no? No? Okay, that's not, well, let's tweak it a little bit because I don't like to give up on it either. Let's tweak it a little bit. Um, and then they come back in a week. I ask them up front, I ask them for about six to eight weeks, um, for us to, you know, to, to get rid of or, or really have their initial symptoms that they come in with under control. And then typically because they're athletes, I put them on a maintenance, uh, program of, I see them once every three to four weeks. And, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of how it runs. Sean, are you still there? Yep, I'm okay. still here. Yep. Okay, you cut out just a little bit. So yep. uh, where you cut out was uh, you see them for a maintenance practice every three to four weeks. Yeah, and so that's, yeah, that's that's how it runs. That's kind of how okay. that's kind of how my practice runs today. Okay, perfect. So um, and then do you have them do maintenance um, indefinitely, or do you have them do maintenance until uh, those symptoms have gone away? I, I like to have them do maintenance indefinitely, and here's why. When I so so I had the the great honor and pleasure of working with a number of elite level youth athletes, and here's what I noticed with the kids that stayed consistent with me. Um, and and when I say elite level youth athletes, I'm talking kids that are playing for national championships. I'm not talking about kids that are trying to win you know their state championship on their on their travel team. I'm talking like you know kids that are playing for D1 scholarships or going to juniors in hockey or you know I mean like their 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 parents are putting a a ton of, you know, money into them. And right. so um, 
you know, my job with them was to, I saw it was to help educate them about their bodies, give them someone that they could talk to about their injuries, because that's a very lonely place when you play elite level youth sports. Um, Kids oftentimes are very afraid to talk to people about injuries because it will, it, it will impact their playing time. Um, so, you know, if a kid's under 14, I typically, and I'll, and I'll say this to them, uh, and when they come in, so how old are you? Oh, I'm like 12. Okay, you're not old enough to lie yet. Because, um, when they get to be over 14 and they start really playing, you know, at a high level, or even at a, at a regular level, they know that an injury can cost them playing time. So they'll cover it up and play on it and tape it up and take ibuprofen and lie and all the rest of those things. Yeah. So, um, so what I saw though with my kids though is that you know um, with with my athletes was man if I you know and I I worked through you know about four or five kids over a period of four years where um, you know I worked with them every three to four weeks and they were never hurt and when they were hurt uh, it didn't it didn't it they weren't hurt for very long and they never lost playing time. Um, you know, I had a, I had a client of mine, her mom, they were out in Seattle and they were at a, uh, a national championship tournament on Seattle, uh, for her soccer team. And, uh, before they get on the airplane, her mom sends me a picture. It was a Sunday night of, of my client's ankle, which was probably a grade three sprain. And, uh, you know, the, after nationals, they had some time off, but she was going to start high school season, um, and so uh, uh, she says, can we get so-and-so in this week? I'm like, yep, let's get her in tomorrow. And so she had about, you know, about four weeks off from playing. She never missed a beat getting out, you know. Um, and if she would have been in season, yeah, she might have missed a couple games, but, you know, she wouldn't have missed a beat. And so right. um, so I like the maintenance session. I, that's what I do with my, my adult triathletes here. Um, and again, you know, here's what I find. I find, in, you know, and I'm, I'm talking, I have, you know, clients that do Ironmans, you know. Um, so, so yeah, I, I like the maintenance sessions. And, it, and it's actually what I do myself, right? I mean, I, I, I have the pleasure of getting work on, like, all the time. But I was, when I was in Michigan and I didn't have someone that I was trading with because uh, my friend Marshall Swalton and I share the same office. So on Fridays, we carve out an hour of time where we, you know, monkey around with stuff, theories that we have and work on each other. Yeah. And so, but when I was in Michigan and I wasn't, you know, I didn't have someone like that. I was going to get, I was paying for massage and I was paying for adjustments and I was going, you know, every two to three weeks, depending on what was going on. And I just felt like, you know, I felt a a ton better and I functioned to come better. So then how do you, um, because this is really important is just kind of creating buy-in for the client to do those maintenance sessions. Because I have, I have people that will do maintenance for, you know, a couple months and then they don't come in and then they come back like, you know, six months later, oh, I've been in pain for six weeks. You know what I mean? So, you know, then you're yeah. just like, well, why didn't you call me six weeks ago? You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at and what sure. I wanted to talk to you about is creating buy-in for your clients yeah. where they realize that that's a viable thing. So so I think a lot of that depends on how you actually phrase your conversations initially with your clients. So let's pretend that you heard about me from a friend of yours and you have a hurt knee, okay? And you you're you're athletic and you know you have a you, uh, your athlete is is um uh really important to you. Like it's a, it's an important part of your lifestyle. So what I do then is I um I well, and and I think also you have to have the right type of athlete. 
one of the reasons I like triathletes is triathletes are coachable. Because when you bike, run, and swim, most of the time you're going to suck at one or two of them in the beginning. Like, a lot of people can run, or so they think, and a lot of people can bike, or so they think, but a lot of people can't swim and they know it. So they have to get coaching done, right? They have to hire a coach. So if you came, if you called me up, I'd listen to your story, and at the end of your story, here's exactly what I say to every client that I talk to. All right, Jesse, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to explain to you how I run my practice. So, so right away, right up front, like, you know that I'm serious about this, right? Right. Yeah. Here's to, uh, uh, and after we're done with me explaining to you, and when I tell you my fees for my appointments, if you want to schedule an appointment, then we can do that. Because I want to give them an out. I don't want to force them into getting an appointment with me. I'm not right. tricky or clever at all with my tactics. I, because the goal for me is at the, end of the, at the end of the six weeks, I want them to drink the Sean Kool-Aid. I want them to be so amazed with what we did that they're compelled to tell other people. Right. right? Yeah. So I, and I tell them, look, if I don't meet your expectations, you have every right to fire me now. So, like, I, I realize that that's a really – I'm putting a lot of, quote, unquote, pressure on myself, but – I want to, I want to have I want to be very you know have a very adult conversation with you, and so so then so I tell them okay so so just kind of like what I told you you know first session is an hour and a half, follow up sessions are a half hour, um, at the end of the six weeks or eight weeks depending on how long it takes, um, you know we'll reschedule you then in a couple of weeks to see how you hold, if that goes great then what will happen is um, I'll reschedule you again in about three weeks. And then we'll put you into a maintenance program where I see you about every three to four weeks. We can talk more about that as we get to that time, but I'm not, I'm not surprising them with anything. Right. You know, I'm, I'm very upfront about it. And when I talk to them about the maintenance sessions, I tell them exactly what I t- tell you. You know, look, over the last 18 years, here's what I found. Right. And your sport, your activity is very important to you and your lifestyle. You're, you're very passionate about it. Um, Spending a half hour with me once a month or once every three weeks and 65 bucks um, is a hell of a lot better than missing a race um, or not being able to train. And by the way, if you, if you, and here's, and I tell them also, here's why I don't let you go six to eight to 10 to 12 weeks. Because if I let you go six weeks and you get hurt in week three, you'll go, oh yeah, I got three weeks to see Sean. I, I can make it. And then what will happen is I'm going to have to see you two to three more times after that again. So if we average it out, and let's say that's the cycle that you were on. If we average it out once every three to four weeks, it, it, it's just kind of how it works. And, and you shouldn't be injured, and you shouldn't miss. And if you are injured, we catch it early, and you don't miss any, any training time, and you don't miss a race. Or you don't miss whatever it is that's important to them. Right. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, so do you advertise on Instagram or Facebook at all? Or do you do any advertising at all? Is it all just uh, word of mouth? So um, I, I'm, you know, I, I, because I, I I came up before the, the interweb was around, really, right? Right. right. So, um, you know, my, a lot of my tactics are, are old, <laughs> you yeah. know? So, um, 
But I'm actually hiring, I've actually hired a guy, Daryl Turner, who is a great, great Facebook ad guy. Um, and what he and I are going to do is we're going to run, Insta- we're going to run Facebook ads to, uh, targeted towards triathletes and a certain age group and a certain income demographic. Um, and I'm going to actually do an event. Um, where they come in and I present about uh, repetitive use injuries with running. Because, I mean, talk about low-hanging fruit, right? Right. Um, But so the goal of that is, so I have two goals of that. Um, A, I I tried to, like, I, uh, I tried to figure out Facebook ads. And I watched, I bought a couple courses on it. I watched a bunch of videos. And I'm just not that smart enough and interested enough to really care about it. Like, yeah. it's absolutely, I would rather drag my head out on the ground at 30 miles an hour outside of my car than, <laughs> uh, you know, than, than do this. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Right. Like, I just don't care enough to try and figure it out. And right. if I can figure out NKT, and if I can figure out, uh, on some level, anatomy and motion, like, I should be able to face, figure out Facebook ads, right? Like, I should. Right. Yeah. But I don't care. And, and it's right. not a, it's not an integral part of my practice per se at the moment. Yeah. But my goal is is we're going to have ten people that 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 can RSVP for it. We're going to run three events um, on a Thursday. On a, I'm sorry, on a Wednesday night, and then uh, on a Saturday, like at eleven o'clock and a one o'clock. And then my goal out of that is to get I don't know maybe three to five clients out of that. Yeah. So, um, and, and my bigger picture goal for that is I'm actually creating a, a course. Um, this is kind of the first beta test for me. I'm creating a course for massage therapists to really start to understand how to work with athletes. Yeah. And um, part of it is, is learning how to, because, like, I, and I'm, I, when I say this, I'm not trying to be arrogant. Like, I can go into any market and figure out how to get clients. Yeah. Because I, I did it on zero dollars and I ground my way through it for the first eight years of my career. Right. And like, you know, when I, when people, I laugh when people talk to me about being broke as a massage therapist because look, man, I've been legit broke. I mean, yeah. legit broke. Like zero money. Right? right. Less than, less than zero money before. Right? Right. And so I really had to figure out how to grind it out. And so I can do that. Like, you know, I didn't advertise at all when we moved to Minneapolis. And, yeah. you know, I went from, we'll, we'll be here for two years in August. You know, I was here nine, about nine months, and I went from about uh, about 40% capacity to, uh, you know, on 40 to 50% capacity, you know, each week to about somewhere between 70 to 80% capacity now um, within two years with zero money out of my pocket. Yeah. Um, and, and that's because I just got into the right collaboration. I just understood how to find that. But I also understand that maybe people don't have those skill sets. So, you know, if I'm really going to help them learn how to build a, build their practice like this, um, you know, I need to have different avenues that aren't that, that give them the ability to do things different ways. And um, I think Facebook and Instagram, um, if you're smart with it. Damn, dude, like for, I don't know, I think we're throwing, like, initially at this first round, I think we're throwing 500 bucks at it. Man, yeah. I remember in 90, I remember in 2000 and, you know, uh, 2004, we put in, we put a Yellow Pages ad and paid $300 for it, you know, which right. was about the size of a Post-it note. 
you know, right. and it probably netted me two clients out of it. And they right. weren't even probably that good of clients. So now right. with Facebook, you can get so targeted, you know. Right. We, so, we, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, when my dad started out, he was doing the same thing, you know, advertising on the back of receipts at like the grocery yeah. store, yeah. Like, yellow pages. But that, you know, and I, you mentioned, uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk in one of your posts recently. And sure. like, that's the guy who I've been listening to a lot. And his sure. message makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, that's what everybody's doing. They're walking around with their face buried in their phone all day long. And so right. that's where, you know, you need to uh, get your attention. And so I think what my thing is is kind of similar to what your your intake process is. Like I can, I can you know, sell anybody or or get them to buy in within the first 30 minutes of me meeting sure. them. But my trying to condense my message into a one-minute video is very difficult. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. or trying to, you know, like what Gary says, reverse engineer what you're trying to sell, which is keeping people out of pain. But, like, as I right. mentioned before, people will just kind of deal with pain for a while. You know what I mean? And and don't, like, start looking for help until they're at the end of their rope, which is really well, yeah, interesting and, and, to me. But. And, and I think the the problem with that is is that um, oftentimes, and I'm sure you found this, I'm sure your dad found this, I, this happens. As a matter of fact, I just had a client like this on, on Friday, right? Yeah. This dude has seen everybody, including, you know, Santa Claus for his right. neuroma, right? He's had three surgeries on his feet. Um you know, oftentimes, you know, they get to the end of the rope and they, they just kind of give up, you know? Yeah. And so, yep. um, <clears throat> and the general public just doesn't understand because, because by and large, the, the healthcare industry is really awful at dealing with repetitive use injuries and pain. Right. Um, you know, it's just, it's just not a good strategy. They just don't have good ways to go about it. And the, the, the insurance companies, they really hamstring pr- providers. Um, yeah. you know, and so, so what they've got is they get subpar care, um, you know, because they, they don't, and it's so much easier now. I mean, like, oh my gosh, it's, I remember, I remember when I first started practicing in 2000 when copays were like five bucks, you know, yeah. like, and everybody didn't care. They would go see their PT 752,000 times in a week because it was five bucks, <laughs> right. you know, you couldn't convince them like, yeah, but you know that you're seeing your PT three times a week. And right. you're going for 12 weeks. So that's right. 45 times 12. How much is right. that? Right? And I could have probably cleared up what you have in five sessions at $60 or $65 an hour or whatever the heck I was saying. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, and, and in less time, you're not, you're not seeing me, you're seeing me once a week for an hour instead of, you know, having to drive to the PT three times a week for 20 minutes or whatever it is, however long that you're there. Right. So, and then, you know, um, you, you know, the way that they practice too, and this isn't all of them, this is just no, yeah, yeah. a lot of the ones that I've seen there, you're, there's three or four people in there at the same time. So, yeah, you yeah. know, how do we know if there's any progress being made? How do we know if that exercise is beneficial for that person? You right. know what I mean? Right. Right. And yeah. So, or like you described the chiropractor earlier, trying to cram as many people into a day as possible. Like yeah. how does how do we know if that's making a difference or not? And so yeah, I think that's I, I call, where I I call that the pop and pray method. You, they yeah. pop it and pray that it works. And I think that you know we're in a very beneficial position to where, just by the nature of 
us being, you know, independent, we can cater our practice to what people need instead of, you know, cramming as many people in as possible. Yeah. And so, because that's another thing that is, you know, I have found is really helpful for people is the fact that you give a shit. Right. That's another thing. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Oh, right. let's figure this out together. Like if I don't yeah. have the answers, then I can call these people. And, you know, that's why I'm right. so grateful for, you know, the the Internet, for one, because, sure. you know, I can literally ask anybody to be right. on my podcast. And so, you know, right. through this podcast, I've made all these different connections to these incredible mentors such as yourself yeah. where I can just be like, hey, I'm having this issue. What could possibly be going on that I can't see right now? And then you can help me out with that. Sure. So, yeah. And the fact that you're taking the time out of the session to call somebody that knows more than you to help that person oh, makes yeah. them feel even better about it. So, you know, I think that that's really important too. So, um, yeah. So, so what, one of the things, one of the things that, um, that I, uh, that I think that I would suggest to you in, like, if you're looking at Instagram and videos, right? Right. Um, so the, when in my coaching platform, one of the things that I talk about that I that that a lot of people, you know, it's it's really an interesting thing. Um, people have a hard time understanding like the psychology of sales, and yeah. so one of the things that I talk about is um, you 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 create content for three reasons. The first reason is to practice your pitch, and like yeah. anything you do. You're gonna suck in the beginning, right. right? Right. The second thing is to educate your current and future clients, and then the third thing is to test your market. Right. And so, if you kind of wrap your brain around that and recognize that if we can create a story over not one post, but over ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, eighty, hundred, two hundred, five hundred posts then what happens is that that story, those short, brief blurbs, and trust me when I tell you this, I was so resistant to, to, to using the interweb to, to advertise, to talk about my work. It took me until like 2014, I think, before I ever talked about my practice at all on the Internet. And, but, right. and mind you, I had, a, I had a small martial arts school from 2005 to 2014, at one point in time in 2007, when you know when when you know a thousand organic hits on a blog on a on a on a site on a blog post was a big deal. Like yeah. I had a thousand organic hits a month on my site with no paid advertising on my blog. Right now, I was doing all of that work for my martial arts school, but none of that work for my practice, and so. Um, I was super resistant and hesitant because I didn't understand the I didn't understand the value of it. And the value of it again is, you know, like practicing your pitch, you know, um and, and recognizing that nobody gives a shit about one post. They right. actually care about they don't care about one post. Now they may become attracted to you for one post, but they, they don't they don't actually they they only follow you because of how you how your posts make them feel. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. See, this is why I had you on here. <laughs> sure. Because there's like that, there's that little thing was the piece that I'm missing. So basically, instead of trying to reel them in, you know, with one post, you're trying to create a story about what yeah. your practice is about. 
and yes. trying to, yeah, attract people that have been having that nagging back injury by yes. creating a story on what you can do for them. Yes. Yeah. So you for, create, yeah, you create client, you know, you create client success stories. You talk about, you know, maybe, but I don't do this myself, but I know a lot of other people that are very, they're very successful with it. You know, maybe you put up exercises and stretches. Um, yeah. I see the bonus, the bonus of the interweb is that you can do this in whatever fashion you want to. You know, I mean, like, nobody's going to argue that Vaynerchuk is more successful than Seth Godin or Seth Godin is more successful than Vaynerchuk. Right. Or, or, or you know, um, but, but they're, 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 they're both equally successful in their own right because right. they have they, – they're and, – and people follow them. You don't follow Gary because of, like, one, one post. And, and if you listen to Gary long enough – he just says the same thing over and over and over and over again. He just does it in different ways. Right, which you is know? essentially what coaching is, right? So Yeah. You know, because yeah. I, I run into this in the CrossFit space a lot where, you know, I'll say something to one of the athletes, and they're like, well, nobody's ever said that before. And I'm like, that's sure. not true. Nobody's ever said right. it this way before. Right. So, you know, and I think that I'm really following Gary right now because he's saying a lot of stuff that I need to hear. Sure. And I need to hear it, but also – stuff that like a lot of my clients need to hear also because a lot of yeah. them are like well i hate my job but i have this idea and i'm like well then pursue that idea you know what sure. i mean instead of just yeah. hating your job so you know because like and that's a big thing that's been coming up a lot in my life not only just in my practice but with the people around me is you know just start just go yep. like, quit hesitating don't overthink it just start it you know what i mean and like the the podcast thing, I've I've always talked about it. So then I just started calling people. Hey, can you be sure. on my podcast? Yes or no? So sure. And you know, just and the fact that you know I'm not Joe Rogan, but like I'm starting, yeah. and that's yeah. better than nothing. So <clears throat> yeah, the the so um, there was a movie in the mid 2000s called Finding Forrester. Sean Connery's in it. Um, and and I in one of my old blog posts, I I used this example. He was a he was a, a, a reclusive hermit writer, and there was this kid that found out that he was a writer, and this kid wanted to learn how to write, but the kid didn't know how to write. He put him on a, a, a typewriter and said, just start typing. And the kid was like, what are you talking about? He goes, just start typing, don't care what happens. And then he actually gave him, like, you know, one of his, one of his manuscripts that he wrote, and he said, just start writing this. And so I actually took that to heart when I first started posting my work. I I borrowed from David and I borrowed from Perry a bit until like their kind of styles until I got my own style. Right. And so and when I first started posting blog posts, well, way back in 2007, um, all I would do is just find a video that I thought was relative to what I was trying to teach, watch the video post the video and then post my own editorial about the video itself. Right. And then all of a sudden, like I started to find my own voice. Right. So, um, it's very important. You, you talked about something else that I think is incredibly important too. And, and, and I'm glad that you brought it up because this is one of the other things that I talk about a lot with my coaching clients about. And I, and I try and talk to the industry about this as well. You know, you, you're, you're, you're having your clients or, or maybe some of your CrossFit athletes talk to you about, well, I hate my job and, you know, I want to do these other things. And the, one of the things that we, we, we overlook a ton 
is that um, in our practices, we have the potential to build the type of practice that we want and that we're really super excited about and we're super passionate about, right? Right. And um, with that, we then have the potential to be an inspiration for every client that walks in the door. And you might be, or we might be, the one of the highlights of their day, week, month, whatever it is, because they right. know when they're going to come in to see you that, A, you're going to listen to them, and, B, you're going to have this excitement and passion for what you're doing and what you're doing with them that it might actually provide them with this small window of space. Right. And, and, and we cannot overlook that, that very intangible thing when we're working with pa from passion. Right. And because it's, so, it's infectious. And one of the other things, too, is, you know, freedom for them to speak their mind without judgment is another right. thing that I find very, you know, critical for my practice. Um, and, you know, based off of uh, what you just said, that's why I think it's, you know, really um, beneficial to have your own practice because then, um, you know, Andy Shea, um, I interviewed him last week, he called it a culture. You're able sure. to create your own culture around your practice. And, you know, if some people that come in don't vibe with you, then you can send them to somebody else or yep. tell them that it's not working out because, you know, like that's the one thing that, you know, like Gary's message that, you know, I try to tell people about just starting is like you have this capacity to do what you love every single day. You know, that's another right. thing that, that Gary says, like, you know, if you have a job where you hate Mondays and look forward to Fridays, that's a majority of your life that's being right. wasted. It's something that you hate doing. You right. know what I mean? And so like, you know, there's, there's times where I work every single day, whether it's one, you know, five or six massages a day for yeah. three or four weeks. And I don't care because I love my job and I love what I do. And NKT is really beneficial to that because now I'm, I'm super efficient to where yep. I'm not like wasting a lot of energy trying to figure out why, you know, I keep doing deep tissue on this low back pain and the low back pain is not going away. Right. You know what I mean? So now I have all these different tools to figure out exactly why that low back pain is there so I can get rid of that and start working on other stuff. You know what I mean? And then give them time to, you know, let it sink in and then do corrective exercises and then give them homework or whatever. And yeah. so, you know, I just think, so I think that that's an important message for, uh, you know, massage therapists is just don't be afraid to just go out on your own because it's going to benefit you in the long run. It's going to be really scary at first, but yeah, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, I mean, I think that the other thing, too, is that, that one of the things that Gary talks a lot about, and, and funny enough, this is an interesting, this is an interesting point, um, is, you know, like, also, I think it's also important for people to recognize that, man, you might not be a number one, right? right. You you might be a, an amazing number two. Right. I, like, I, 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 the only reason that I'm a number one in my practice is because I've never found anybody else that um, that I could work collaboratively with for that long. Now, I had a couple opportunities. A buddy of mine who I met through NKT, Andy Tunstall, down in Champaign, Illinois, um, you know, he pitched to me, if he didn't live in Champaign, Illinois, I pro we probably would have made a very serious run of it. Um, right. But I wasn't moving to Champaign, Illinois. Um, yeah. But if he would have been <laughs> in a place where I was really interested in moving to, you know, like... Um, and, and, you know, I mean, in, in my family, like, 
you know, I, I do my thing and I'm pretty good at what I do, but my wife is a freaking rock star and she's going to do amazing things in her, in her industry. That's why we moved to Minnesota. Um, you know, in my, in my family, I'm a, you know, I'm a number two, you know, like I'm supporting the, the hell out of her. And so the other thing too is like, People need to recognize that, yeah, owning a practice is amazing. I, 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 at this point in time, my buy-in to work for somebody else would have to be so much that yeah. um, I would, I would have to be able to, you know, to do that. But yeah. you know, like, like if you find somebody and you work well with them, man, oh man, like, I, I think there's inherent benefit to that. And then also not feeling the stress of like, you know oh, my gosh, like, I have to go out on my own, especially if you're not ready for it. And the other thing is, if you do decide that you're going to go out on your own, recognize that in, in 2018, like, you know, I'm, I'm a moderator on the Massage Entrepreneurs Group page, and right. there's almost 10,000 people on, the, on that page. Like, man, if you can't find somebody to help you out on, out of 10,000 people, you're doing something wrong, and you need to re- really evaluate where you're at in your freaking life. Right. Right. You know, so so there's so many more opportunities. It's so much easier to build a practice today than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, man, just even with the invention of Square. Like, Square yeah. is the greatest invention ever. Right. Like, my dad had to rent a credit card machine from the bank for, bucks like 300, for yep. 350 when he started. Yep. You know, so yep. then he just went cash-based forever because yep. it's just easy. And now we just plug this. I don't even have a – you use Bluetooth. Plug that <laughs> yeah. card reader in your phone. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, another thing I wanted to touch on and something that I'm, I have been kind of hesitant about, uh, partly because of the, I would say, PTSD of starting my own business, sure. is, right, is moving somewhere else, right? So oh, yeah. like you said, you've mentioned a couple times that you've moved a couple different times. And, yep. you know, so, um, you know, part of me wants to move to a bigger city, branch out to where I have you know, more uh, mentors available to me because right now Flagstaff's like really small and, you know, I have to travel quite a bit in order to talk to mentors that and people that know more than I do. Um, So, you know, like there's uh, different hotbeds all over um, the United States, but the the scary part is, you know, starting over. And so let's let's talk about that a little bit because, yeah, that's like, and especially because I'm in a smaller town, yeah. like, it's just the PTSD, like I said, of getting to where I'm at now, it's yeah, just yeah. like, oh, God, I can't do that again. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I completely understand. So, so you know, it's funny because I started over uh, one, two, I'm counting in my head, one, two, three, four times. Yeah. So I I started my I started practicing, and then um, we left that practice and opened up our own practice. My ex business partner and I, and then I then we split our practices, and I started my own practice. No, I'm sorry, five times. And then in 2015, after my wife, so my wife is a nurse midwife, uh, nurse practitioner, right? Yeah. And she went through Georgetown through her through their uh, their online distance master's program, and when she got out of school. She um, she just this amazing opportunity fell into her lap, and she started working with these these just these fantastic OBs in the uh, in Flint, Michigan. They were uh, they were they were fantastic guys. I mean, just great guys. 
And so um, they they gave her, oh, my gosh, they just gave her so much opportunity. It was amazing. But yeah. what was happening was that, you know, she was working, I mean, she was working her face off, right? I mean, like yeah. 70 to 90 hours a week. Right. August of 2015, I didn't, like, we didn't, we saw her like three days, I think. Like, legit yeah. for three days. Right. And so I was half hour away, you know, because I, I was, I was living a half hour north of where my practice was. And so one day she came home from work and, you know, she was super tired and um, we got into bed and right before we went to bed, I said, okay, so here's the decision I've made. Um, and this was, this was through no prompting of hers. I said, uh, I'm moving my practice up to Fenton and um, I'm going to do it. I know I've been thinking about it for a while. I had been actually thinking about it for quite a long time because we have a 12 year old son. And so, um, you know, like, you you need more help with this. We didn't put you through school. We didn't spend the money on on school for you to really struggle in, with this. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out a way to move my practice up to Michigan or move, move my practice up to Fenton, and then we're going to go from there. And so, um, so then I took the huge leap of, like, moving my practice 30 miles, 30 miles north of where I was. But what I did, one of the things that I did was I um, – so one of my good friends in Michigan is one of the best kettlebell sport coaches in the country, Ken Blackburn. Yeah. Um, so Ken's really Ken, – Ken's the back end of Steve Cotter's IKFS. Um, so um, so I, 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 <laughs> I propositioned Ken in the parking lot of a grocery store. Hey, dude, I got to talk to you. Right? I think we should do this. Because he was working at a gym and they were really mistreating him. And Ken's amazing, by the way. Ken is, he's, he's amazing, right? And he was yeah. working at this crappy gym that didn't appreciate him. I'm like, dude, you need to go out on your own. Every time I, every time we meet, like, will you tell me about how unhappy you are about where you're at? And you and your, and your athletes come in and they tell me how unhappy you are. Like, we need to do this. Like, I think, I really think we could do this. So we started looking at properties. We looked at like eight or nine properties. And then along the way, my jiu-jitsu coach was, um, had shut down his school and he was gonna, he was, he wanted to reopen a school. And so he was super gun shy. And so I said, hey, Ken, and Ken and Carl knew each other from, from martial arts. And I said, hey man, and I was like, we need to get Carl in here because he could do really well. And he said, I, so we met with Carl and I propositioned him over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And so we found a space. And then, the, dude, I was scared shitless. Like I lost, 40% of my clientele, right? Like, right, right. you know. And so then in 2016, um, you know, when we moved here, um, I, I, through the, what, one of the bonuses that we have now through continuing again in the interwebs is that we can, we can create a community of people, right? right. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really tight with Marissa, uh, Marissa Macias, from, you know, in Chicago. Um, yep. And so I reached out to her and I said, hey, look, who do we have in Minneapolis? There's a pretty good chance that we're going to move to Minneapolis. Um, later, later this year in 2000, this was like early 2016. And yeah. she said, Oh, Marsha Swalton. And I had actually met Marsha, um, through, I TA'd her level two and then we took level three together. Yeah. And so I reached out to Marsha and that was the way it was. And so I think one of the things that has helped me out is to find collaborative relationships with people. And, and I think this is a really important thing overall in general that I think that a lot of people in our industry miss out on is collaboration. And and now Marsha and I we we could be competition together. You know, Marsha's a 
you know, this amazing Pilates instructor who does NKT. She actually took Anatomy in Motion with me. I took for I took she took it for the first time. I took it for the second time in March. Like we could be competition together. And right. and Marsh and I, I mean, she's an amazing person. God, I don't use the word love very often for people that are outside of my family. I love Marsha, right? Like she's right. fantastic. And so so I think being able to find collaborative relationships and establish collaborative relationships before you and, and kind of priming a market a little bit before you actually move is really important. Like right. doing some groundwork before you actually move. Right. Um you know, whether it's moving 20 miles away. And the other thing is if you move a short period of, of you know, short distance. Because um, in Michigan, I like, like I had times in Michigan where I had clients, like the average drive time to come see me was an hour and a half. Right. Right. I had people coming from four hours away to come see me. Right. So, so you know, recognize, too, if you're moving within 20 or 30 minutes, yeah, you're going to lose some of your clients. But if you've done a good enough job of building relationships with your clients, then they're going to follow you because they're, they're interested in you. They've built right. this relationship with you. They trust right. you. And so, so, so yeah, you know, don't underestimate that. Well, so that's, uh, that's an, a really important thing that you brought up that I really liked was, um, you know, so I just read a book called You Are the Placebo. And sure. it talks about competition as a negative emotion. Absolutely. So, right. So then if you're talking about collaboration, like it's the same thing to me as community, you know, yeah. so like, it, like, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm working really hard to build a pretty specific niche for myself sure. through different education courses that I've taken to where, you know, my practice is going to be very unique. So sure. the reality is, is I'm not commun I'm not com uh, in competition with anyone. Right. Because I do my own thing. So, therefore, I can be in a community with everybody. You know what I mean? Right. So then, right. and, um, so one of my, uh, previous, uh, interviews with, um, a chiropractor by the name of Ben Ramos was talking about, like, if you don't have the culture that you want in your town, then you need to create it. And so I thought that that was really, Completely. right. And I thought that was really profound. And, and, you know, so my thing is, um, moving to a bigger city, you know, but unfortunately, Arizona, that's Phoenix, right? Nobody wants sure, to live in yeah. Phoenix. That place is going to be virtually uninhabitable in 10 years anyway because it's sure. just extreme heat, right? So, sure. you know, then then becomes like the thing where I'd be moving to a completely different state. And, sure. you know, so I think that, you know, this is – it's just – so instead of focusing on how difficult it was for you to start, just realizing – how much experience you had because you started. I think it's really kind of, you know, just kind of talking out loud. And so yeah. the, um, and anywhere that I choose to go, the, the community there will be bigger. So then, you know, just trying to reach out and, and collaborate with people, I think is really important because I think that there's a lot of people, including myself, like I just said, that are afraid of that, you know, because sure. It, um, well, and, and, and the bonus is once you do it, I mean, you've built a practice once, you can do it again, right? So once you do it, like, like just because you move doesn't, like, they don't take that experience from you, right? Like, like your experience doesn't stay where you, where you live currently, right? Right. right. And right. so, you know, I mean, I think that's a really super important thing. And, you know, the other thing is that, you know, um, I, you know, I think you've, I think you've got a way out to big fish, little pond 
big pond, little fish. Like you've got to figure right. out, you know, which one of those you fit best in. And, right. and, and also the, the thing that I think that gets overlooked and that people don't understand enough about is that people come to see you for your perceived skill sets. They stay with you because of your personality. Right. So one of the reasons that Marsha and I are not in competition with each other is because we're two very completely different people. Yeah. And and we could do the exact same work, but our, the type of clients that I draw and that I retain and the type of clients that she draws and that she retains are very different. So right. that when you when you when you understand psycho- the psychology of sales and you understand the psychology of building culture and community in a tribe, as Seth Godin says, you know, building your tribe, then competition no longer matters. It's no longer even a thing because just because someone comes to see you doesn't mean they're going to like it, another person. Like it was super hard for me. Now, one of the other things that I did when I left Michigan was. Um, I found someone to go into my old practice and I found someone to, to take over my old practice, but I had to put the right type of person in my old practice for, you know, like, I think she's got probably 30% of my clientele, which is pretty successful. Right. Right. Um, so, so, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to recognize that that, and, and uh, by the way, Elise and I, uh, Elise Lingle, who, who kind of heads up the NKT Michigan crew, um, Elise and I, we do quote unquote the same work. Uh, she took anatomy in motion with me last September. I could work out of the same office as Elise and we would have no problems because we have different personalities and we're going to draw different types of clients. Right. And uh, I think it's important to know that even though you have the same training, you would apply it differently. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, you know, I come from a very outcomes based thing because of martial arts. Like, right. does the choke work? Yes or no? Right. Like, it's, I, and I'm not talking fairy tale ninjutsu. Like, I'm not talking about, like, death touch, right? Like, I'm talking about, did the arm bar work? Yes or no, he tapped. That's the, right. that's the litmus test, right? Right. So, so you, know. you know, that's, that's where I'm coming from, too, with jujitsu, and, you know, started out ultimately in MMA. Yeah. And then tra- tradition, like, then transitioned to, um, jujitsu full time. Um, but, you know, like, that's how I know that I can handle myself in a situation is because I've literally been assaulted before and came out yeah. of the top because yeah. of that triangle choke. And that triangle choke yeah. works on somebody who's bigger, stronger, more powerful than me. And so, right. you know, and it's, uh, you know, that's how I know that NKT works is because I had um, one client, multiple bulging discs, like could barely function, went to PT for, you know, two months, had no effect whatsoever, but I had him walking out of my office. Right. Standing upright. You know what I mean? So it works every time. And so, and you know, and the times that it didn't work is because I didn't have level two or I didn't have level three. Sure. And, you know, just since I took level three with you in Chicago just a few weeks ago, I'm just like, oh, shit. You know, because you know, yeah. There's education courses that you're sitting in, and they say something, and you immediately think about that client that you had in the back of your head. Yep. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm texting them right now. You know what sure. I mean? Make an appointment when you get back. And so, sure. you know, just like having, you know, even with like level if level one and level two, you could do a lot of good in the world. 
But then, you know, there's been people that have had chronic neck pain for years, no matter what I've done, and then they come in after level three, and I adjust their hyoid, everything's gone. And I'm just right. like, ah, hyoid. You know what I mean? Right. And so, yeah. like, that was, like, the little thing that I needed. Or, you know, I've been doing a lot of really good work with eyeballs, and I've been doing, you know, the scar tissue is amazing, too. And that's when I think that scar tissue is perfect to have is a, a good segue for clients to understand that their whole body is connected. You know, like if I work on your knee and your neck feels better, you know what I mean? That shows you that this whole entire thing is connected and it's dangerous to think about it as something completely separate. And so, um, you know, that's why I think that, you know, you being like, hey, kettlebell guy, hey, jujitsu guy, we need to make this a thing. And because it's all the same thing, really. We're all just trying to accomplish the same goals because sometimes all people need is a movement practice. They don't really need you know, they don't really need that much massage. They just need to move their bodies around better. You know what I mean? And what a perfect way to, you know, do that other than just kettlebells. You know, you just swing this thing around a lot. You'll feel better. And then they do. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, like, um, you know, the reason why I started martial arts in the first place was a fear of confrontation. And some people sure. have that fear, like, constantly, especially in a big city. So then you're just like, look this is what happens, this is a scenario, this is what you can do, and then they apply it, you know, in a in a sparring session, and it works, and they're like, holy shit, now I don't have to be afraid anymore, and then that makes them better. You know what I mean? It could be anything. So, you know, just it, just having multiple avenues and multiple resources is incredibly helpful. Yeah, no, you, you have to have multiple ways to, you know, I mean, you know, it, it's yeah. You have to have multiple ways of, of addressing a situation and a scenario, but but the you know the, the the thing with with moving and 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 building that value for clients is that we just have to remember that, like just because you've moved, like none of those skills are lost. Right. And you know, I mean, if you do look, if you middle move to the middle of backwoods Alaska, you know, yeah. and and you think that you're going to build a massage practice overnight, I mean, it's crazy, right? right. But so long as you, you know, if you're kind of smart and you, like, one of the things when we were, when Melissa was looking for, uh, you know, places to, to move um, because of just the way that Michigan's legislated for advanced practice nurses, you know, when she started to look at um, Minnesota, I was like, nah, really? Oh, I don't know. Let me, you know, let me look. And then I found out that, you know, uh, Minneapolis is the fourth highest income, uh, median income in the, in the country. Like, right. you know, um, it has more per capita, more Fortune 500 companies than any other city in the country. Right. And and so, you know, like, if you do your homework and you put yourself in a place where there's disposable income and, and you have the skill sets, you, you should be able to make it. Right. You know? And, and, you know, the drive is also has to be a thing, too. Yeah. Because you can't just, you know, open your doors and sit on the porch and just wait for people to start coming in. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to go. Yeah. You have to go sell yourself. Right. And you have to yeah. target your audience. And so, you know, I think that you, um, doing a course on repetitive injury and then advertising for that course instead of your practice is a really good idea. And I think that, well, yeah, you know, the, like, the, the interesting thing. So here's, here's my thought process on it is, I don't want – I'm very cognizant of, like I said, you know, um, people notice things that you do repetitively. 
and they right. either tune in or tune out, right? right? And so the people that tune into your repetition, your consistency, what do you want them to think about? Do you want to think about them, about you as, or as a person, as a practice, as a, a brand that provides value that is, that is, that is worth something? Or do you want to, do you want them to think about you as the discount that they come to once a year and buy a gift certificate? Right. And, and so, and by the way, like, like, you know, I mean, we sold initially, you know, we would sell two to three thousand dollars a month, you know, two to three thousand dollars between Thanksgiving and December in gift certificates in when my ex-wife and I first opened our practice. And by the way, that was blood money. Like we needed that money. Right. right. Um, but I also recognized, A, what a pain in the ass it was to track them all. And right. B, it was just our clients buying cheaper sessions. Right. Because that's who we were selling to, essentially. Right. right. And then, and so the other thing that that I've run across is when you, so I sell gift certificates. People don't use them for years. Right. And then they come and are like, hey, I want an hour and a half session. I'm like, man, I don't even do an hour and a half session anymore. Right. I do half hour sessions because my practice is completely evolved. So now they're not getting the value of that gift certificate and I'm not getting the value of that time. And and I have to essentially, you know, send them to somebody else and then pay for their massage because, you know what I mean? And then, you know, when you're, when you're like starting out and you're desperate for clients and you sell that gift certificate and then they don't come until like a year later, then that, you know, that money's already spent and gone, so then this massage doesn't have any value for you. Right. It's just kind of taking up that hour that you could be spending on on a paying client, which is sure. really unfortunate because they it's been paid for, but that money is not in your hand at the moment. So right. then you're like, oh, God. But then you go into that massage with that energy. Right. You know what I mean? So then they yeah. don't get the full energy of the massage that they deserve. Right, yeah. because then you just feel like it's a – so I also feel like it's kind of that way with uh, package deals too. Yep, to where, yep, yep. You know, and so, you know, because then you're like, well, this person was supposed to do four massages in a row, and then they did two, and then didn't come back for eight months. And so right. now what? You know what I mean? Right. And then so they're like, well, how many do I have left? I have no idea. I have no right. way to keep track of that, you know. Yeah. I was just trying to get you to come back more regularly so you know what i mean yeah so so the way that the you know the idea behind this event is to help people build the brand and not build this like and and it's also you know the the the, we have we have i i kind of broken it down into into three categories in the way that i look at people's work um you know one service providers two educators and three thought leaders. And when you just sell your latest discount or when you have, you know, an available time open, you're a service provider. When you start to talk about your work and you start to help educate, then you become an educator. And when you start to do things and you start to think about higher level things, like, you know, hey, I'm going to create this event, but what does an event do? An event puts you as an educator and a thought leader in your in your community potentially, and so not only are potential clients watching, other professionals are watching as well, and so then that bolts you up 
out of the stratosphere of like, oh yeah, this person is just doing this, right? This right. now this person is actually like they're holding an event, and you're holding an event, and the people are coming to you, right? I mean, like, how crazy is that? Like, right. you know, now look, if you can't close that, then you know, I mean, you really need to figure out how to sell, you know? Yep. No, it's really, yeah, it was really insightful. I'm gonna I'm gonna start working on that. Um, so. I don't want to take up any more of your time, and I appreciate yeah. you taking the time. That was really awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah. you coming on. Um, so I'm going to ask you a few more questions. Uh, what sure. books and or what books are you reading right now? Um, I'm, re- I'm reading a Muhammad Ali book. Okay. Um, I'm a huge Ali fan. Um, you know, I, when I was a kid, I, when I was younger, I used to read like one book at a time, and now I'm my my ADD is must must have like really, you know, like kind of went nuts because I read like yeah. three or four books at a time. So I'm reading uh, the Muhammad Ali book. Um, I'm reading, I, I, I peruse through uh, Vaynerchuk's Crushing It. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's really good. Um, and then uh, I'm reading uh, Seth Godin's, I'm rereading Seth Godin's Tribes. Okay. So um, those are my, those are kind of the three books that I'm reading right now. And um, yeah. Right on. Um, and where can people find you if they want to get any more information on this stuff? Uh, they can find me on the Facebook, um, you know, either my name, Sean Kitzman, or my, uh, you know, if they want to take, take a look at my, my coaching page, uh, Synergy, I'm sorry, Sustainable Coaching pa- uh, Practices. And okay. then my Facebook page is, uh, for my practice practices, Synergy Movement Therapy. And my Instagram account is at Sean Kitz, K-I-T-Z. Okay, perfect. All right. Thank you again, Sean. I appreciate you. Yeah, Jesse, thanks a lot. Take, take care, man. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you. Bye. Bye.